This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. It is wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. We're settling in for another week, special week. We always love to do it upright with the program and the gang over at AMI because it's Halloween. Today, behave yourselves. If you're roaming around tonight, keep your head low depending where you are because you never know where anything, projectiles, eggs, whatever it might be, might be tossed your way. Not suggesting you live in that kind of an area. We'll be in that kind of an area. Or you out there are that kind of a person. I know I'm not. I'd miss 100% trying to throw something like an egg at somebody and egging them on the day before Halloween. <laughs> Ramya Muthan, you're not that kind of person either. Oh, good, because I was going to say, are you saying I am? No, of course we're not. It was a segue, right? It made you feel like I was <laughs> going to say, now you, I'm not, however, but you, do yeah. it all the time. Scramble no, eggs with people all the time. Never. Uh, what a waste of eggs. Welcome back. Welcome to Halloween week. How are you today? I'm doing well. Just uh, picked out my costume courtesy Good. well actually no i shouldn't even say that we're in the oh, midst of it? picking out our costumes i'm not going to tell you you're going to have to guess tomorrow I wanted to see if you'd Based slip. on the description. I, I didn't want mm-hmm. you to tell. Oh, good. Uh, you said we. How many of you guys are doing this? Oh, Donald you know how it know. is. My hair, my Halloween spirit is uh, shared amongst the control room staff and everybody who's here who I can Why? say, there's like three costumes to pick from. Help me. And yeah. Oh, for heaven's <laughs> sake. They're worried about their own. You know what I would do if I were one of them? If I saw one of the choices and I liked it, I'd mm. tell you looked in another one, looked best in another one. You'd and you'd take it? One and take the one for well, myself. <sighs> I were one of them the only thing i could bank on is that everybody else has already picked their costumes and i'm the straggler who's still waiting to pick one so um yeah. i can almost guarantee that yeah. folks let's take a look at what we've got <laughs> coming up on today's show season four of level playing field airs tuesdays on ami tv today we're joined by special guest on the program paralympian marissa papa constant Constantino, there we go. I knew I could spit it out at some point. Marissa, forgive me, we're looking forward to the conversation shortly. That's right. Uh, And Kelly, tell people what else is coming on because I'm fiddling with my script here. Ah, okay. Alethea uh, Pakovic uh, joins, or excuse me, Baker joins us today on the program. And we're going to be talking about the Musical Stage Company's 17th Annual Uncovered Concert. And this is an accessible performance we're going to get to know all about as they celebrate 17 years. We'll do that in hour two of the program. Also in that hour, Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin is here. And she's joined by Kelly McDermott, who will be here, president of the Ontario Bar association to talk about the new peer support setup going on for lawyers with disabilities this is tremendous read up on it boy it's exciting we'll do that conversation later as well u.s president joe biden has signed an executive order to guide the uh, development of artificial intelligence 
President Biden today is issuing an executive order that the White House is calling the strongest set of actions ever taken by any government on artificial intelligence, safety, security, and trust. Deputy Chief of Staff Bruce Reed says in a statement, quote, it's the next step in an aggressive strategy to do everything on all fronts to harness the benefits of AI and mitigate the risks. The executive order requires AI developers share their safety test results and other critical information with the U.S. government. The order also establishes standards for detecting AI-generated content Content and authenticating official content, including watermarking. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. So I don't, in my mind, imagine that we will stand in the way of progress with AI, okay? I mean, there's that excuse, maybe it will take jobs, but we still need people to be there for it. So right now, I don't think governments are so worried about that, Ramya. I know there's the paranoia as we've watched too much Black Mirror and so on shows and that scare the heck out of you about, well, what happens when you give up control? <laughs> we always have those kind of bizarre, fearful feelings about something like this. I don't think people will mind unless it's their own intellectual property. They're worried about being stolen, sharing what they're working on. And I think a government will say, this is cool. What this will lead us to be able to do or how this will help me? I personally think it's a good thing to be monitoring it, not suggesting those who are monitoring have all the right answers, what to do, what to not do, or how far can this go? Because really, Rum, we're constantly finding out things they're doing with AI that make you stop and say, oh, mm -hmm. a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. I think that uh, obviously the more we uh, dig into AI, and this is just a very obvious statement, the more we dig into AI, the more we realize how much we can dig into AI. And um, yeah. the more you read about whether, whether it be medical industry or surveillance or art, a huge art conversation this morning on Now with Dave Brown around AI and avatars uh, of artists and entertainers and how we feel about that. But really the, the question is less and less about how we feel about it, right? It's more about efficiency, it's more about availability, it's more about where where AI is taking things, whether or not we're prepared for it. And so, yeah, different sectors come up and then we have kind of like shock to the system moments. Um, but nonetheless, the professionals and the people who work day to day in these fields are of course exploring how AI is making a difference and, you know, efficiency more or less in those fields. You bet. You bet. Very interesting to see, kind of glad that they're on this kind of thing, because I think we're going to see this from many governments, many leaders of countries that decide that they have to do this. We'll get Michael Babcock's take on all this. He's joining us in a couple of moments on the show and thought he might weigh in on this. One other note, for those who check the show out on AMI-audio, hopefully today you've found us. Uh, we begin at 4 p.m. Eastern time from now on uh, for the first edition on AMI-audio of the program. Hopefully the time works out. want to remind you the repeat of the show is at 10 p.m., same as it's been, and at 6 a.m. for the AMI-audio folks. Really glad to have you aboard. If you're new and finding us, maybe the time works out better for you at 4 p.m. Eastern. Thanks a lot for being with us. If you're with us on the TV side, we'll settle on back too because we'll show you lots coming up. You'll listen to a lot. If you got us on podcast, great. If you don't, subscribe. We step aside for a moment and the aforementioned Michael Babcock will be joining us. Jaws 2024 was released. What features came with that release? He's here to tell us after this. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. So our email is kellyandramya at ami.ca. 
Why is he just randomly doing that? You know why, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, Halloween week. I know a few of you have those pictures you took over the weekend and you just haven't got around to sending us to you know those 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 shots, but we'd like them. We'd like to see how many we can squeeze into tomorrow's program. I wouldn't mind even teasing people and putting them on today, but that's okay. I don't want anyone to rush. I want you to be happy with what you send us. Give us a bit of a description, you know, who's in the picture, who, who, who you are. Just, <clears throat> I, I know all these guys are quick over here. They'll know who the heck you are, but just in case, just to help Rummy and I out, of course, and our audience out there as we describe the picture the best of our ability. Just a couple of words would be just great. Again, Kelly and Rummy, K-E-L-L-Y-A-N-D-R-A-M-Y-A at ami.ca to send the, those pictures. I'll say plural just in case you can't make up your mind. Don't mull over it. Send them in. We'll take care of it from there. If you can get them in today to us, that would be uh, that'd be wonderful. And if you have to, tomorrow morning, maybe pop one in. We'll even take stragglers just to look at on on, on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, just mm. so we know what people did yet, you know, True. tomorrow night for trick and treat rum. Yeah, all week we'll be checking out your photos and the Halloween spirit continues because, as you said, it's mm -hmm. Halloween week. It's, it's like Rumya's birthday. It goes on forever. Forever. It's a, it's a whole year. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, let's get to our tech talk. On Mondays, we check in with Michael Babcock. App news, device reviews, security advice, and more. It's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Romeo. Michael, are you in the Halloween spirit? I have to admit I am not in the Halloween spirit. Mm. Uh, sorry to disappoint. The boys, though, are super excited, and maybe we'll get some pictures out of them. There you go. Ooh, you. that sounds good. And we've got to watch <laughs> yeah. the use of the word spirit because Michael could have come on here saying, no, the spirit is in me. Ah. We can really tell I, who's I in the spirit. that's the different voices Kelly does. Yeah, I know. I know. But that's some, some of us extend the spirit out to others or maybe they extend their spirit out to us. And I think, Michael, you and I are in that boat. <laughs> I, I, I loan it out for a fee. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for well, Rummy, it's got to be a feat for it's, sure. It's free when it's on the show, though. <laughs> That's when we soak it all in. Michael, let's talk about Jaws. Jaws 2024 was released. What features are uh, you wanting to talk about? This was a big release. I had heard of a couple of these features, but I hadn't really actually like outlined them. And there was a great webinar done on Wednesday about the new features that are coming mm. to JAWS 2024. So face in view is one that I know we've talked about a couple of times, and I'll give you some more details about it in a few minutes. But the primary focus is, is it allows you to know if your face is in view if you're looking at the camera, here's a big one. If your lighting is good and if there's anything in your background. So that's kind of important. Uh, JAWS is also releasing a early adopter program. So what this will do is allow you to try new features such as their MathCat feature, which is coming to 2024, to give better understanding of math equations while reading that with JAWS. And I know math was my biggest struggle in school. I had to use a, a Braille writer, a Perkins Braille writer, to get my math done. And I, mm, good I would like... Yeah, I would like to think that I would have taken to math more if it had a easy way to interact with it on technology uh, or with technology, because as you know, I'm I'm all about computers. Uh, split Braille, which allows a, a Braille user to see multiple pieces of content at once on their Braille display. New scripts for Discord. 
keystrokes to get the seconds in a minute left. So instead of you just hearing uh, that it is currently 135, you'll hear 135 and 13 seconds. I'm sure Kelly can uh, figure out some good reasons to have that information. Oh, good. Um, it's always there- nice. Yeah, there are some uh, new features to Aria on the web, which means you as a blind user can get more information about the rich, uh, rich dynamic uh, controls on web pages, such as read-only checkboxes and, and other edit fields. There are some improvements to Office, including uh, if a Braille display is connected and you're using PowerPoint and there's a video, JAWS for a little while would just keep repeating video, 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 which which isn't helpful. <laughs> helpful more features to uh, bring up is the JAWS has made an improvement to uh, allow you to use the voice assistant to turn on keyboard mode and to use the escape key so you can exit out of keyboard help mode if you accidentally get yourself in there. Okay. For some reason, I think I thought that was there already. Um, how have you found these features when it comes to the, the working of them? So for the most part, I found them to work well. Now, granted, I'll uh, know that my primary computer is a Mac and I use Parallels on that Mac to be able to interact with Windows. There are some features that aren't compatible with ARM, which is what the uh, processor is that's on the Mac. Uh, But for the most part, I found these to be uh, pretty stable and pretty helpful. There's another feature we'll talk about in a couple of minutes uh, that I haven't used yet, but I'm excited to have to use it. Mm-hmm. Can you explain more about this split Braille feature? Yeah, so the split Braille feature lets a user uh, get information on their Braille display from dis- different parts of the screen. Uh, to enable Braille split Braille feature, you use the JAWS key plus Alt plus V. Uh, yeah, Alt plus V had to make sure that keystroke. Mm-hmm. If I was reading Braille, I would know this, but that's what I have to leave go by speech. Uh, but it will also allow what what I found to be really interesting about this is you can have multiple different pieces of information related to uh, your email that you could have the list of subjects in one line and a preview of, or on one side and a preview of the message on the other side. Uh, there's also the ability to uh, have annotation view. So if you're you're reading a document that has a footnote or a comment, the text with that footnote or a comment can be on the left side. And then the actual results of that footnote or comment could be on the right side. So a lot of uh, a lot less of jumping around. Uh, two other examples that I'll give is uh, if you are using split view and you have attributes like bold or underline enabled, then on the left side, you'll see the text and then the text of whether or not that is bold or underlined. So you can uh, have that information right in front of you. If you're learning Braille or teaching someone Braille, another example that they give was the translation split view, which means you can have contents of the Braille uh, be in grade one on the left side and grade two on the right side to help you learn those contractions and combine that information. Awesome. Uh, What is the speech history feature of split Braille? Yeah, so this is another uh, split viewer split braille feature so if you haven't picked up on it there's a lot to this more than just splitting up your braille display so go check out the what's new in jaws to get 
detailed information about this. But the speech history view allows you to have the currently focused text, so maybe your show notes in uh, the left side of your Braille display, but then a scrolling history of the things that JAWS last spoke on the right side of the Braille display. So an example of this that was given, and I'm going to use Zoom. They gave Teams, but for me, it's it's more applicable for Zoom. Mm -hmm. If someone joins or they send some information in the chat and that information is shared to the to jaws you can actually read oh what was that phone number they just shared or how do you spell that person's name and you can take a look at that without moving focus out of the window that you're currently in uh, disrupting your workflow oh yeah because this takes up so much time to begin with so that that's really great that this feature is um making it more efficient uh, anything else on that or shall we talk about the translation split uh, let's talk about the translation split. Okay. The uh, translation split, as I uh, had put earlier, will allow you to put grade one on the left side and grade two on the right side. Um, and so if if you're trying to learn new contractions or if you're like me and I'm horrible about UEB and I don't know some of the new rules uh, for UEB and, and when you can use certain contractions and when you can't, uh, you can have those translations so you can uh, feel what the word feels like in grade one and then jump over to the right side and say, oh, I can use the BLE sign or, oh, nope, that doesn't work there anymore. And uh, so I'm I'm excited about that translation view. Oh, that's great. Wow. Uh, what is different about facing you over the cam? Uh, you see me, sorry, you, you see me or centered head. Yeah. So can you see me is an app on windows that you can download. And I know we've talked about it that will give you information about uh, your face. And if it's in the, in the center of the frame, but that's all the information that it gives you. Um, it doesn't use any AI to give you information about your background. It doesn't tell you if you're looking at the camera. And it is another application you have to maintain on your computer or switch to when you want to use it. Centered Head works on the Mac, and it uses tones or words to tell you where your face is in the focus. But it also doesn't provide information about the uh, background, your lighting of your uh, view, of your picture, and it also doesn't give you the details that you need uh, in order to know what's in the background, too. Mm, okay. Again, very helpful stuff. There's also a new feature uh, to answer calls that was released in JAWS 2024. So how does this work? Yeah, so this is using the keystroke Alt-Windows-C for call, and this will open a dialog to allow you to answer calls uh, from Teams, phone link, or Skype. Uh, you can answer calls, you can end calls. If you're on an active call, you can hang it up. And you also can change the list to provide one of those aforementioned apps higher up in the list to give you the details and allow you to quickly answer that call. Um, so if you're if you've ever struggled with finding the answer button or forgot what the keystroke is to answer a phone call in Teams or or Skype, then now this will be a quick way with Alt Windows C to get to those controls. Okay. Uh, iOS 17.1 was released last week. What is new for iPhone users? AirDrop over internet. Uh, do, do either of you use AirDrop? A little, yeah, especially to go yeah. phone to phone mm -hmm. if I have something I want to throw over there, like a page that I want to see. 
So there's a new out of range toggle in the airdrop section of the settings that you can turn on. So this means if I start probably for bigger files like videos or something, an airdrop session with either someone else or your own computer, and you walk out of range, then it will use the internet to continue that airdrop so you don't have to worry about it failing. Um, So I'm glad to see this coming to iOS. Mm -hmm. There's also Apple Music favorites. I'm a little confused what this is because I thought we already had the ability to add songs to our music favorites, Uh, but it's going to uh, potentially use AI and algorithms to be able to um, help build more songs that you might like related to playlists that you're listening to. Okay. Uh, We're pretty much right out of time. Do you want to tell us really quickly about the uh, audio that you handled for an event a couple of weekends ago? Yeah, so I was doing a hybrid event for the American Council of the Blind of Oregon uh, with Zoom and in-person participants. And I learned one big secret, and that is even if you don't think you need a mixer, bring a mixer. It'll make your life a lot easier. (laughs) Fantastic. What other tech did you you use there? Any advice to, uh, or that it, just bring the mixer? well, bring the mixer because I ended up using the hotel's mixer, um, which I'm glad they had. Uh, realize that you don't you don't really know what you're going into. I thought I could send audio in and out of their system, and nope, it was one way only. <laughs> and I used the Vocaster and some Gemini UHF wireless microphones. It's so wild awesome. how much you have to be so cool. prepared for as the tech yeah. person or as the person handling audio. And it gives you, it takes takes the pressure off, man. You might as well do it as much as people say, I want to travel light. Forget it. Travel safe. Bring everything. Yeah, exactly. Bring extra adapters too. (laughs) I was going to say, you can ask all the pertinent questions, but then it's the power cord or the adapter that throws everything off, of course. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a great show. Enjoy leeching off other people's Halloween spirit. Michael Babcock joining us. And their internet, too. On on Mondays uh, for our tech talk. Imagine if he was joining us on Tuesdays and had to come on with a costume. Oh, gosh. No pressure. He'd come on as the Grinch or something like that. He's he's probably sending something through someone's Wi-Fi, you know what I mean, or whatever, internet, through AirPods. Airdrop. Oh, awesome. Mm. Coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, young Canadians are finding ways to stretch every dollar they earn. Stay in someone's stairwell and ride on their internet if they have it unlocked. <laughs> Grant Hardy tells us more on his chat after this. Don't we all do that? I know, I know. I've fallen over a few. <laughs> Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Romeo return with more in a moment. We never start the week off slow. You can't do it on this show, not with having Michael Babcock on board, our usual first topic of the week. I mean, our computers might get slowed down and act up a little bit, but no, no, not not the guests, not the content. That's for sure. Ramya Muth, and she is at AMI headquarters in the studio there. I am Kelly McDonald at the home studio, London, Ontario today, and appreciate wherever you are listening in. We've got lots of great conversation ahead. Hang in for the day, hang in for the week. Lots ahead. Uh, Let's welcome into Talk Headlines, Mr. Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramya. 
So uh, a couple of programming notes today, folks, just for your interest. Obviously, we've mentioned Grant joining us now. He will also stick around later on in the show and join me for hour two as he is getting adapted to joining us as a backup co-host on the program. That's number one. We'll get more into that later on when we begin hour two. Number two for me is Miss Amuthan is doing all this arranging, getting things ready, because she is the host tomorrow for the Halloween edition. I just get to show up in or out of costume, depending on my mood, oh. right? We, we, <laughs> in or that? out of what? costume? Yeah, I'm We're relying costume. on that incredible costume you have lined up for us. It's a good thing you don't know what it is. Secret. Don't I? First, Grant, we don't know what hers is Ooh. either. But anyway, so tomorrow, Grant, I get to do what you're going to do today. Kind of lay back, it'll enjoy, and let someone else put all the stuff together and just kind of smile <laughs> and go along. Ah, there you go. So wonderful. Where are we starting, you sir? You shouldn't tell people that, though, Kelly, that I'm going to be jumping in in the second hour because you're going to lose your audience. No. We, no we don't way. Want They're that. excited. They're loving what you're doing yeah. here, so they're going to be excited and think it's going to be more of that, or they're going to think it's all and more of what in the world. They might even say that once or twice, too. Mm. What yeah. in the world did he say there? Most of them aren't coming until 4 p.m. anyway, so. <laughs> have to change our script a little bit, make it all what in the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, folks, I got kind of a light story here to start off the week uh, for Monday. There is... Uh, was a survey of young Canadians. When I saw that, I it's terrible. I thought to myself, like, do I fit? It? Do I do I qualify as that? Uh, but the survey is eighteen to thirty-four year olds, um, and sixty-three uh, percent of them name cost of living as their number one concern over other critical issues like climate change and healthcare, which kind of makes sense because it's definitely the most meaningful issue, at least in the short term. Uh, three out of five say they are barely scraping by, and 53% say their job does not provide enough to cover their basic costs of living. But even more concerning, they are not optimistic, uh, optimistic about the future, with 88% of young British Columbians expecting the essential cost of living to continue to soar. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, apparently, people are finding creative ways, hacks, if you will, to not only share, uh, save some money, but even have a bit of fun. So I'll just go through some of them, and then we'll get your thoughts. Uh, so some of them include uh, apps and deals, like budgeting tools and coupon clipping apps. Uh, they people are doing more things like returning recyclables, cooking from scratch, and making sure they never pay full price for anything, as well as investing in a good coffee machine instead of doing their coffee runs. But also apparently building community is a big trend for younger uh, the younger generation. Uh, so for example, they're borrowing from each other, trading their skills instead of paying for other people uh, to do it. And they're enjoying simple pleasures in place of going out, such as playing cards and having little board game nights. And apparently that's actually a uh, way of building community. What do you guys think in terms of your budgeting tips, your thoughts on this survey, or your thoughts on just building community during hard times? Well, building community during hard times, obviously, right? Like we, we need different ways that we can get together and, and have 
uh, things that bring us back together, commonalities, I guess, but also just the idea of fun over other things or over other approaches and ways to get together. Uh, I find that, you know, during colder months, especially, Grant, there's lots of reasons why people are having a hard time in uh, past few years. We can say COVID and point fingers at that, but just weather changes, seasonal changes, darker days, like all kinds of reasons. Um, and hard times because there are holidays and festivities and things that come up all over the place, October to December, even through January and February, that, um, most of us are, you know, excited about for different reasons and get together for different reasons this way, but isn't the case for everybody. Some people are having a harder time because of the holidays. So um, to kind of not focus on festivities, but to focus on other ways to get together is super important. You know, it's such a great point about the holiday time being hard for some people mm. like we always hear about those people you got a you know a big family you're prepping for you know the winter holidays thanksgiving you know whatever it is, whatever it is but like some people are very alone and yeah. that's that's super important uh to remember but i guess one positive thing is i remember I remember all the way back in high school, people talking to us to convince us to like apply for their particular, you know, you know post-secondary institution. Mm. And I remember people from very, very cold, remote places saying like, if you come here, it, there's actually like the biggest sense of community that you'll find because it's yep. so cold. It's so hard that people like come together and support each other and do all kinds mm -hmm. of events together. Kelly. Yeah, I, I feel for me, Grant, and because I'm only about 10 minutes older than you, I feel that my life experience has heard this before, right? That it's always a survey comes out and, and we know there's different times, but let's say before pandemic, before, you know, when we didn't necessarily fear wars and stuff, they're sure they're going on around the world and things like that, but not so top of mind as things are right now. But in those times, winter, whatever time of year, a lot more people did get together, but there was always the phase of, yeah, I don't have enough money to do that, or my job's not paying enough. And, you know, again, we have a situation right now where how much can employers who are hurting themselves, you know, how how much do they have to be responsible for people living more comfortably? We can demand that, hey, people should be getting paid equal for the work they're doing and, and the similar value. No, none of this discrimination of, of who you're going to pay more. Oh, well, I've got more experience. Well, you know, with skin color, does sex have something to do with it? Mm. So none of that. I, I mean, in theory, you can only expect an employer, knowing times are tough, to be as supportive as they can. That's not our traditional history of our world. We need other places to cut corners. And mostly that comes from, I can't go out three times a month for lunch, dinner, whatever it might be. I can only go to one movie a month or maybe one movie every second month. I just can't afford it anymore. But that's the same story I've always heard, no matter what. Because a lot of time we stop and say, how often should I be paying to go to movies? Mm -hmm. Is that my hobby? Is that just being extravagant? And I think that people have to make those calls themselves. And these younger people are doing it. They were discussing that about finding the side gigs and that the age of finding the mm -hmm. side gigs has gotten younger and younger. You have kids doing it at home that are 10 years old. And when I hear it, I stop and say, yeah, but when I was a kid, I couldn't do it. But everybody talked about having a paper route. And things like that, that when we had newspapers that they had to do, things change and people have found other ways. There are other things that young people, young, very young people 
have been able to find that they're able to do because of their skills online and their knowledge. And I think about it and say, wow, yeah, I guess that's kind of the same thing. Like when so many kids would go and and like throw newspapers at houses and mm. so on. So no, it's a, it, to it me, it's reciprocal. It's a very interesting, and, and same with the holidays. We see the, what do you call those movies? Um, all these nice Christmas the, movies that are out, yeah. but the um, Hallmark, the Hallmark movies. Mm. We see all that stuff. So we get that idea. They're all the same, same formulas we've talked about on the show with Greg David, but they're all that happy feel. Sure, you have some people who are alone, but at the end of the film, they're with a bunch of other people, such as community, as you've mentioned, if they have no one, or the family that they've lost, or the family they're kind of estranged from. So we get that, but there are those stories out there that do not end that way. And I think, Grant, that's what like what, what you and Rum were referring to. You hear some of that, and it is easy to forget. But boy, when you think about those poor people or run into someone in that position, boy, does your heart go out for them. No, it does. Absolutely. And I I think it's a good reminder. And just to preface to say that it's not easy for a lot of people to do this, but, no. you know, maybe to channel some of that, that like, oh my gosh, you know, hopeless feeling of like times are really hard right now into kind of like, you know what, like I'm struggling right now. What if we, you know, get a group together and kind of alternate you know, we're, we're going to do dinner at, you know, your place one night and dinner at my place the next night, or, you know, we'll tutor, right. you know, your, your kids in math, whatever, in exchange for, you know, maybe a little extra supplies or, or a trade that I can't figure out how to do. Just, just some, some sense of like, not going through it alone and maybe making some more friends or contacts at the same time. Something for me to think about. Anyway. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any final thoughts, Rami, or should we move on? Uh, no, let's to move on to the second sure. thing. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting one, but it, British Columbia is so easy to forget because we have so many big cities, but we are in the bear country. So it is not unusual, even in some of our cities like Coquitlam, uh, for bears to come pretty close to your home. And so with it getting Halloween time tomorrow, people are putting their uh, jack-o'-lanterns outside uh, for trick-or-treaters to look at, whatever. People are reminding you to bring those in at night, keep them inside as much as possible, like if you're able to display it through a window, whatever. Ideally, only display them for uh, during Halloween night because they can actually attract bears. Uh, and they just throw in some safety tips about if you happen to meet a bear in BC while you're out walking, stop and stay calm. This is interesting, actually. I don't think I knew this. Speak to a bear in a calm voice. Oh. Let them know you're human and not prey. And then back away slowly, making sure to give them lots of space. They're there to protect their food, their space, and their young. And if you're not threatening them, apparently bears can actually be relatively unaggressive. What do you guys think? I'm not really trying to talk to the bear, though, at all. <laughs> you're not going to yeah, buy that. would have been my first thought. <laughs> hello, Ms. hello, Mr. Bear. Um, What's going on, man? Oh. I have some segments to do tomorrow, Mr. Bear. Please don't. Just let me go and prep for my segments. Thank you. Yeah. Don't we go back to like, my the arm or my face so I can do it. <laughs> the original advice of play dead or whatever it's uh no 
I guess because the more stories we hear about bears just really taking over spaces, you know, just like unapologetically yeah. drinking all our pop and stuff like that. You're thinking, well, they're mm. hungry too right now, right? They're because hungry, of that's the it. way things have been and they're thin this year. They're saying they're the bears just haven't have been able to get enough food. But mm. it's that play dead thing. I heard an expert talk about it a couple of weeks ago. He said, D don't do that. Yeah. If you do have to go down and do the best you can to cover your head and accept you're going to get very hurt. Oh, if you're lucky. What? That's yeah. very morbid. Yeah. That's, That's probably yeah. true. Okay. <laughs> he said, playing dead is false. Don't climb a tree. They can get up there faster. Oh, yeah. They'll meet you up the there screaming? at the top. You know, there's yeah, you the screaming. The being bigger. The big and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and back away is per is. Totally I'm getting a lot of contradictory advice here. Um, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm being Don't told scream. to talk to my bear in a calm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or I'm not as a bear. He, as he's coming to eat you, be bigger. Oh, yes. no. I think it's quite obvious away. that I'm not a bear. Bear. Yeah. But you're, that, if you're kind. Works. Yeah, you're kind. <laughs> Contradictory. Mm. Hear her, Grant. No, just don't play. Well, don't play dead, Rum. Don't try to climb the tree if you find it. Right. Okay. I just <laughs> won't move to BC. Yeah. Thank yeah, you just for all the up. advice. Back, I won't back go camping up. in northern just, Ontario. Just back up. <laughs> okay. Quietly. No. And throw them a pop bottle since they know how to open them now, and maybe a candy bar since we've had stories of yeah, the I feel like throwing yeah. things at the bear is not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yes. See? See, look at this. <laughs> and screaming, eh, Grant? Grant Hardy <laughs> joins us, of course, on the program Monday and Wednesdays. He will be around for our second hour of the program as he co hosts the show with me. And Rumya goes and screams and sees if it works against bears so she can send him a message saying from the hospital, not it didn't work, Grant. We're going to step aside. Videos. For a couple of moments, check them all out, see how mixed up those videos are. Uh, season four of Level Playing Field comes up uh, start on Tuesdays. It's on Tuesdays here on AMI-TV. We're joined today by a special guest, Paralympian Marissa Papastansmu. Let's see if I can say it. Papastansmu. Close, close, not quite. She's with us next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Catch the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. This week, Joita speaks to Chantel Benoit, a veteran of Canada's vet uh, veteran of Canada's national para. para Wheelchair basketball team. Folks, what's going on with this reading today? This guy's terrible. Ah, uh, this is the first of a three-part series profiling the 2023 inductees to the uh, Canada Disability Hall of Fame. That's the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on AMI-audio. You can also find it on YouTube and, of course, available on your favorite podcast platform. Wow. There you go, folks. Uh, Ramya Muthan, she's over there at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald hanging out here at the studio in London, Ontario. And we're getting, you know, I must be thinking ahead. I mean, trying to read and today, you know, get everybody's names right. I have right. to tomorrow? Excited. I think so. Yeah, getting all you know your costume is, right? pieces together. Do you remember what also it's tomorrow, right? Uh, is it the anniversary thing? Are you going to bring that uh, up? 
this particular show because I got a message from Melanie Taddeo, mm-hmm. uh, who's going away and doing so much great work uh, with their charity in Africa. We've had her on the program talking about it. She leaves uh, in a couple of weeks with her husband, and they're gone until March, um, doing so many things, visiting and talking about accessibility uh, in South Africa. But, but she reminded me that our show anniversary is Halloween. And uh, that's, I remember that first I was gonna, Halloween day. I was going to talk about that with you, you know, at some point. Is it still considered Halloween or anniversary? Because the TV show is released um, at the start of the year, start of the new year. So, so what do we I do? I always wonder how we're going to do that. I know. When, and, and I figured the voice on Need that will be Matt Agnew. He will come mm. back and say, well, guys, and find all the perfect reasons when he returns from leave. He will have all the reasons if we're going to keep it as October 31st, the actual first ever airing of Kelly and, and company, which, of course, is this show yes. now as Kelly and Rumya. Or if we're going to do this... The uh, debut of Kelly and Rumya. On television. Yes, right? on television. On television, right? Was that January now, 2nd? Now, no, January 9th. Rum- 9th. And the argument we have that I know you'll support 100% if you wish, is do both. But oh. maybe not every year, because you see, you'll want a cake. Now we're just confusing people. Yeah, I really just want the cake. That's right. And so a bottle to pop or something, do that. but... Yeah, but you have to have mm. a day. But you don't have to bring it up every year, okay. twice a year. Sentimentally, for the two of us, I think it'll it'll always be October 31st for me. Um, and I think for a lot of the long time, yeah. Listeners, viewers, whatever yeah. you want to say. I think that's what they'll recognize. Especially really. because Not, we continue because on audio. Change, right? Yes. Yeah, and shows do change, but they still, the first day you went on the air. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll go from there, right? Exactly. Um, but some years we'll spend more time with Halloween. Some years we'll bring some guests on and talk about back in the day. Do you remember? I do. We've done yeah. that enough times. Um. You know, you've done it so many times. You don't. You start yeah. saying, "Okay, so this year is definitely a Halloween, a celebrate that way. It falls nicely during the week, and 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 we can have some fun with that. And it's not a what is this? Seven years that we've we've done the show. Oh so, my gosh, you know, is that right? Will it be seven? Yeah, last year was six. So, yeah, somebody do math. Ooh, brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's it, brutal. Really Great. Cool. Just reminds me so? that it's been seven years, yeah. So that means on the 10th year, uh-oh, I think the 10th year is going to fall on a weekend. So you can't be messing around, you know, at that <laughs> point. We can't be doing that. No, um, you know, won't. It just makes no sense. Folks, We our guest is coming. We will be getting to uh, that conversation shortly. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what else is in the news. Yep. Two lawyers have hired a private investigator. Um, They've been penalized for doing this. They hired him to spy on a judge. John Carpe and Randall J. Cameron admitted to having a private eye follow Chief Justice Glenn Royale. At the time, the lawyers were representing churches fighting COVID-19 public health orders, and Royale was the presiding judge. In a plea deal, the lawyers are now under a peace bond that forbids them from practicing law anywhere in Canada for three years. Justice Shane Perlmutter called the surveillance unethical and an affront to the administration of justice. Steve Lambert, the Canadian Press, Winnipeg. Sorry, Steve, cut you off there. If you find Ramya, mm. your detectives report back, this guy was doing this, that, the other. Th- oh, my gosh, those are horrible things. Did you get pictures? We got all sorts of pictures. Great. What do you do with this? It's a judge. 
I, Unless it has to do with the case, it's a judge. Like you're, the intention behind this is a little con uh, not concerning, but confusing, vague. right? It's very vague. You're not sure exactly why the private eye was brought up, which reminds me, by the way, you know when I hear private eye, what I'm thinking of from Holly, uh, the Stephen King book that we're going to review oh. tomorrow, when she's like, I resent that. I'm more than just the eye. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just an eye. But anyway. Yes. Yes. What an old term. That's cute. Um, I I agree with you. I'm not sure exactly. Like, obviously, they're getting penalized for it. And then there's the, the reasons why this is just strictly, you know, shameful, let alone it comes with legal consequences. But the actual intentions behind why they're doing it is so, like, why? Yeah. What is it? Just for, for the clout? For the, the you know, sh uh, bringing the judge down? Bringing the, you know, system to a halt? I'm not sure what they expected to happen. I know that's a what in the world kind of item. Mm. I know, but it's for real up there in Manitoba. This really happened. So I, I, I guess I got to count it. But could you imagine that conversation? You know, so where did that judge go today? What did he do? Well, he was actually watching you. Guys, at your office outside of work. Wow. If it's it was particularly nice. about the case, like if they thought the judge had to have some bias relating to the case, then there could be a reason to defend why this would take place at all. Well, if you thought this judge was corrupt, whatever, yeah. but involving your case or unless he was a client, you know, something that you dealt with in some way or knew, I don't even know how that would, because it would still be just dismissed. He'd dismiss mm. it from his own court. That isn't relevant. <laughs> I'm not on trial here, you two. Yeah. Cut that out. Like, I don't understand where it would go. I guess that's what they were trying to do, though. Put the justice on trial. Discredit him somehow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But how do you, anything, any other judge, including this judge, would just, that's irrelevant. Yeah. That's irrelevant. <laughs> it has nothing to do, what I was doing last, I'm not on trial here, fellas. And all you're doing is lengthening your sentence. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. Here's another item you found, Kels, that I want to talk about um, as we're still waiting for Marissa. Hopefully we can get to her, but if not, here's some other interesting conversation. So we think about the most expensive places to live in. It's constantly mm -hmm. on our minds nowadays in North America. But... The most expensive places to live in in the U.S. are not New York or San Francisco. Californians will tell you it is expensive to live here. Between sky-high home prices, homeowners insurance, which is crazy expensive because of wildfires, separate earthquake insurance, and gas still around 6 bucks a gallon in many places. Now a new study by U.S. News & World Report finds San Diego and Los Angeles as the most expensive cities to live in the U.S., followed by Honolulu and Miami, then Santa Barbara, San Francisco, Salinas, and Santa Rosa, all in California. Based on the median gross rent and mortgage payments are ranked as the cities that require the most wealth to live in comfortably. Alex Stone, ABC News, inexpensive L.A. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so the needing the most wealth to live in comfortably. I think that's the line that you have to digest because it's not necessarily that it's the most expensive, but it's like the lifestyle, right? Everything comes into play. It's not just the property, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the space and the property and the locations, but it's the lifestyle of these places that come into. So what was it? San Diego and I can't remember the second one now. Uh, LA, yeah, Los Angeles. Yep are the Sorry, yeah. top two. I can't believe that New York City and surrounding areas are not on that top, whatever it was, 10 list of cities that he uh, brought up. But California, 
overall is not surprising that it has this reputation, obviously, because, you know, it's a, a hub and a core for many things, uh, tech sectors being one of the, the obvious ones, but, you know, entertainment and arts and just where people go to start up in a lot of different ways is California. I, I find it climate and reputation, period. Climate, yes, yes. People like that. San Diego's a beautiful place. They've had the money, they've had the tech, but they've had years of celebrities and money. It, mm. being able to pay taxes there, being able to have private beaches and so on and so on. Um, there is so much to to California that I can totally understand that. I, I get it. And, you know, uh, our guest is a rum. Yeah, it's quite, um, I'd say, typical, predictable. But I wonder if there's going to be any massive changes or, you know, trickle effects of different things uh, that go on to kind of make differences in this, um, what do you call it, statistic, and mm -hmm. in this way uh, as we know it to California. Because I know that a lot of people are just moving, period. I'm not saying moving in to California or moving out of it, but definitely just moving is going about more transparent conversations around uh, how expensive it is. Um, you know, I know personally people who've moved out of places like Silicon Valley because just because of the affordability being an insane uh, topic, um, you know, and that's coming with, like when we're talking about wealth, that's coming with well-paid jobs or understanding what you need to have to live comfortably. And even in those circumstances, people are like, but we don't really want to spend our entire paycheck on just lifestyle. For sure. Uh, our guest is uh, available and ready to go. All righty. Let's talk uh, about Level Playing Field. Level Playing Field of season four of the show is out now, and it is airing Tuesdays on AMI-TV, and we're going to be talking to Paralympian Marissa Papa-Constantino about her appearance on the show and just how she's doing. Marissa, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for taking some time. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to get some time with you. Can you quickly just tell us about your background, um, who you are as a Paralympian, what you've been up to, and what uh, sport you take part in? Yeah, so I run track and field. I run the 100 and 200 meter, and I am in the T64 classification, which is an impairment below the knee on one side. I am missing my foot. I was born that way, so I'm a congenital amputee. Uh, I've been running track and field since I was 12 years old. That's when I got my very first running blade and honestly just kind of took off from there. I had made goals to make the Paralympics and world championships, and uh, thankfully I've had a really, really great experience uh, through my sport. It's taught me so much um, in terms of the values, skills that I take throughout my day-to-day -day life. And, you know, being able to be part of Level Playing Field this past season has been really exciting. And the episode turned out better than I could have imagined. Nice. Tell I us wanted... about that, Marissa. When, when, when is that, you know, how did you become involved with, with the show and when does it air? Yeah, so uh, I believe that it's aired on Tuesday evenings, and uh, I got involved because Greg Westlake, the host of Level Playing Field, fantastic sledge hockey player, uh, he's been to the Paralympics so many times, lots of gold medals. He reached out to me and, you know, said that he would love to have me a part of uh, this season, and I said, absolutely, it wasn't even a question. So it was uh, it was an honor to be asked to be part of it, especially by such a 
respected athlete in the Paralympic space. Mm. Tell us, um, as we have just a couple more seconds with you, we, hopefully we have a part two of this conversation, but we'll definitely get to know you more throughout the through the episode on level playing field. But was there a pivotal moment um, during your track and field career where you felt like things took off for you, you know, where your passions, your drives, your commitment to the sport was starting to pay off. Sorry, do you mind repeating that one more time? I think the connection just cut out. No worries. A pivotal moment in your career in track where you felt like your efforts were starting to pay off um, for the sport. Yeah, I mean, you know, track in general is just such an up and down sport. There's so many, we call them like valleys and peaks and lows. And, you know, I experienced a lot of lows before I experienced any sort of highs in the sport through lots of mm. injury and challenges and a lot of adversity that I had to overcome. But I would say that, you know, through those negative experiences that I had, it was what has shaped me into the athlete that I am today. And I think a big part of why I've been able to have the success that I've had is because I had to learn how to fail before I learned how to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that's just honestly been such a pivotal moment for me because I think it's just created this really good set of skills and toolbox of knowledge to really cope with challenges and be able to kind of spearhead them when they come up. And so, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit and we had to compete at the Paralympics through, you know, shutdowns and, you know, lack of training equipment or whatever it was, I didn't let that really affect me because I had been through so many challenges before I took that skill set with me and was like, okay, we're just going to take it one step at a time. And I refer to that as like riding the wave. It kind of just like is a mantra that I live my life by that no matter what happens kind of in my day-to-day -day life, I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and be present in everything that I do. And so uh, I think that really is what led to my, you know, moment of success when I competed at the Paralympics in 2021 and won a bronze medal. Lovely. Marissa, thank you for your time. Uh, we only had a couple minutes with you, but uh, we were really looking forward to your episode on Level Playing Field Season 4 and hope to chat with you soon. All the best. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. No worries. Marissa Papa Constantino, she's a Paralympian, um, and she is featured in season four of Level Playing Field. You can check out Level Playing Field on Tuesdays on AMI TV, on AMI Plus, and on the AMI app. Ramya, say goodbye to the nice people. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Grant Hardy's back with me on the other side of the break, folks. In that hour on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin is joined by Kelly and McDermott, president of the uh, Ontario Bar Association, to talk about the new peer support network for lawyers with disabilities. And Alethea Baker-George tells us about the musical stage company 17th annual Uncover concert and a very special accessible concert. But up next, we revisit a conversation that we had at the Bounce Community Info Fair with the Program and Service Manager at CultureLink after this. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. been busy here on the program today thanks for being with us ladies and gentlemen as we begin hour two 
take a break, breathe in here as we get set for another full hour of great content. And Rumya has, should I say it, folks? You know I want to say it. Left the building? No, she no, she can't. Just in case Grant or I decides to go AWOL, she can't do that. Can she, Grant? Can she actually well, sneak just in out case, on us? I don't know. I mean, just in case I suddenly, you know, have a last-minute date, maybe, and I run <laughs> oh, off Oh, yeah, guys, man, that's right. This, the, the, Rami and, and Grant, folks, just in case you have not learned this from the show, they's busy people, right? So that, that could happen at any time. He just get a call and check out. We'll have to send private eyes after you like those guys <laughs> did in Manitoba for the judge. Uh, welcome back, Grant. How's this feel? You all set? Oh, this is good. I'm nervous but excited. We got okay. we got to well, about five five seconds before you know the show is coming back, and I'm like, I cannot get out of this now. This is really happening. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I yeah, we would have cut to you, and it'd be an empty chair there, man. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I'm going to help you out here because we're going to say, ready, steady, set, go. However. The first thing up is an interview that Ramya did, folks, from the Balance Fair that we were at. We're going to revisit this conversation, and it's with Dominic Catulli, Program and Services Manager for CultureLink. Let's check it out. I'm Ramya Amadin of Kelly and Ramya, and I'm here with Dominic Catulli, Senior Manager for Programs and Services at CultureLink, and we're going to learn a little bit more about CultureLink. Dominic, hello. Hello, Ramya. How are you? Nice to meet you. I'm doing well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role uh, and the organization so we can get started. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, my name is Dominic Catula, as you said, and I'm the uh, Senior Manager of Program and Services with CultureLink. Settlement Services is quite new to me. I'm originally coming from uh, Employment Services. And over the period of time that I've been with CultureLink, um, you know, I've seen the benefits of an organization like this. Our organization generally provide support to newcomers coming into Canada mm. and you know look, individuals looking for having their children settle in schools, uh, looking for health care, looking for uh, programming, looking for employment uh, supports and whatnot. So we're generally in a lot of community spaces, we're in schools, um, we offer services for youth, we also offer services for seniors. So there's a wide spectrum of programs that we offer for our our clients and the ones come visiting our offices. It sounds like there's a lot going on. Now is this local to Toronto? Uh, yeah, we're located at 2340 Dundas Street, so we're right at Young and uh, Dundas and Bloor. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's we're in the GTA and people, we, you know, over the pandemic we've also branched out because there was no geographical boundaries, so a lot of people have connected us on remotely and whatnot. Um, now that the pandemic has gone away, a lot of us stuff are, our staff are back in the office, and a lot of our clients are also visiting our locations as well. Okay, so we know post-pandemic, um, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic must feel a little different. I'm not sure how long you've been working for the organization, but how has it felt in the last couple of years for people coming out for services? Are there particular things that you find people want more assistance and support with? Uh, yeah, the, the number one thing, unfortunately, um, I'm sure you've heard of this across the whole board, is a lot of the people that we meet with Number one issue is housing. Right. Housing has... Oh, across the board. Right, across the board. Housing is the number one thing that people are wanting. Um, no matter what program that, you know, we offer, we offer a wide spectrum of programs and whatever my staff are talking to individuals, the number one thing they're asking about is housing. After housing, they're looking at health care, and after health care, they're looking at also, you know, how do they transition their, their children into the school systems. But right now, Ramana, the number one is, is housing. Mm -hmm. 
So with housing, I'm curious about um, accommodations, and I guess we can expand from housing, but when we're talking people with disabilities, and especially in our mm -hmm. current uh, venue right now and the event that's going on, Balanced Community Fair, I'm curious about people with disabilities reaching out to CultureLink for support. What kinds of particular things do you, do you want to point at that people can reach out for? Again, our programming is right across the board. We, we do not discriminate against anybody that's coming in, mm -hmm. even newcomers, generally newcomers and whatnot. Um, whatever disability they come into our offices, as we try to support them with that. We have connections with throughout, throughout the uh, community with organizations that uh, provide specific uh, needs for individuals with disabilities. We're there to support them in what capacity that we can, but once we reach a capacity that we can support them, we also make the referrals to other organizations that allow or can support them a little better than we can with uh, housing or whatever, the, or whatever their needs are, employment needs or whatnot. So then we can make that referral as well. Incredible. And I appreciate that there's like this web of support systems connected yes. to each other, right? That makes a huge difference. Yes. Especially in a place like Toronto where you're talking about multiculturalism, uh, newcomers from all around the world, the kinds of sensitivity uh, you need to provide for people to get that communication across. across. Yes. And, and I think that's the number one thing from people coming from abroad and coming into Canada and settling into Canada in the GTA area is they're not aware of the programming that's available mm -hmm. and, and you know and when we make a referral to other agencies you know they're ecstatic that there is a, this opportunity because what we hear is that opportunities like this are very minimal from where they're coming from so when they come to an organization like CultureLink and you know kind of receive the services that they're receiving from us or making the referral to other outside organizations you know they're, they're happy to hear that these are available to them. Are you one of the first organizations that people go to when they come we, to the We are on, on the list mm -hmm. uh, when people arrive at the airports uh, as, as a settlement service agency that they get referred to. That's incredible. Yes. That's incredible. Tell me a little bit more about your role and how you help what you do on a regular. Uh, my, world's a little, my role is a little bit more boring. Um, what I do <laughs> is I kind of supervise the managers and I supervise staff in regards to, you know, accountability, you know, funding and all that stuff there. Um, you know, staff tell me about issues that they're having and challenges they're having with, you know, how to support their clients. So I look into it along with our CEO, Jemima uh, Sabapathy. We look at what opportunities we have to, uh, you know, increase our programming, what we can bring into the office and how we can support these individuals coming from abroad. And obviously you know so much about what the organization does. What do you most appreciate about it? I think the most, in, the one thing that we appreciate the most is that satisfaction that we've helped somebody kind of settle into a new environment. You know what I mean? Um, the fear is always there. You know, people come into a new country and whatnot, not knowing what to expect. And they're, you know, when they come in and, and meet with a friendly face and get the support or the education or the guidance from our staff, I think that's the number one thing that we can look at. You know, I'm not going to say everything is a 100% success story. But you know what I mean. We do have a, a large people or a large clientele that are that are happy with our services and have received the services that they're coming in to look for. Oh gosh, so many people come in here with so many stories, yes. hesitations. Um, a lot of the times, not even realizing what they're signing up for when they leave their places of home and come here. So exactly appreciate organizations like this always and the help you do. Dominic, tell us where we can go for more information about CultureLink. You can visit our website, uh, CultureLink.ca, and we're on various platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, you know, Twitter, and whatnot. So we're on various platforms. Um, you can use our info at CultureLink.ca. 
email address. I can go there to support anybody and everybody. Thank you. Thank you. We were speaking to Dominic Catulli, Senior Manager for Programs and Services at CultureLink. So we spoke to Dominic um, at the fair uh, back in September. Really great to roll these out here, Grant. I think a lot of it, as you were talking to the folks, as we gathered them together and asked if they would come on the program and give us some time to share what their what their organizations do so that we could not only bring awareness, but I always think as a national show, maybe someone sees what somebody else is doing and says, I'm picking up the phone. I'm getting a hold of these people. We could use that here. So I find that most empowering and what Dominic went into there, just beautiful to hear him discuss so open with Ramya. Well, absolutely. He's just so humble and says, listen, like we're sure some people are not 100% success, but we really, really try. And especially because housing is just that lowest building block. And I know Ramya really emphasized the housing. If you don't mm -hmm. have that, it's hard to have anything else, hard to build your employment, whatever, because you just don't have a place to live. And that's the element that really has to be done first. And it was interesting because we did have that conversation earlier, not just the cost of living out in California, but even when <laughs> we were discussing with you and we, it just always is a theme in the program. Uh, when we get oh, on a topic is. in one segment, it jumps to another. Uh, appreciate that again. Thanks for everybody's cooperation at the Balance Fair for making those interviews possible and all the work that went into it. Coming up next on the program, Alethia Baker-George tells us about the musical stage company's 17th anniversary Uncover concert and a very special accessible performance ahead. We learn details also ahead right here on the program. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. One particular new time to talk about involving the program, our gang over on AMI-audio, those checking out the show there. Thank you, uh, listening in around the world, wherever you are. New time for the program, 4 p.m. Eastern time daily, Monday to Friday. You can catch our show at that point. The repeats, they stay the same, 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Over on AMI-TV, we're on the air at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Join us for the live edition of the program, repeat 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. to check out our show whenever you have time. But of course, if that's too many times and you're throwing your hands in the air and saying, Grant, Kelly, what are you telling me? Good grief. Subscribe to the podcast. Great way to also consume the program at your leisure. Kelly McDonald, that guy over there in Vancouver, joining me for the second hour of the program, Grant Hardy. Kelly, I'm actually really excited about this chat coming up because the musical stage company's 17th annual Uncovered concert is back this November to spotlight the music of two of the most influential bands of the past 50 years, Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles. And they're actually offering a really awesome audio described performance at Kerner Hall on Friday, November 17th, including a free ticket for your sighted guide if required. Alethea Baco-George, Accessibility and Development Manager, chats with us about this exciting upcoming concert. Alethea, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So first of all, I'd love for you to just Tell me about the musical stage company and uh, given your role, I know this will be really meaningful for you. Why is accessibility important to you? Absolutely. The musical stage company is Canada's largest and leading not-for-profit producer of musical theatre. And we are here in Toronto, Ontario, but we are reaching across the country to make sure that everybody knows that it's better with music. 
and I'm the accessibility manager. I happen to be a physically disabled person myself, and I believe that everybody across the country deserves access to musical theater storytelling. So one of the things that's really meaningful to my role and meaningful about the work that we do here at the Musical Stage Company is that every major production that we produce has an accessibility initiative associated with it. So over the past three years, we've really begun digging into different communities and different ways to serve different people with disabilities. And that includes offering audio description to many of our performances, including this performance of Uncovered coming up. That's beautiful. Fantastic. I'm kind of curious, when you guys are programming and you're looking at what we're going to do this season, next season, that kind of thing, and when it comes to the accessibility, um, that conversation, I, I, I feel that it's just part of the culture. It's always there. But how does that kind of planning, how does that organizing that? And at what point, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's not right from the start. Maybe the view is, let's pick, then we'll figure out how to be more accessible. Um, and, and how much of the conversation does it end up having to be? You know, as a disabled person myself, uh, you know, I've experienced ex uh, performances that are less than perfectly accessible. And of course, you know, perfect access, who can ever achieve that that standard? Exactly. Um, but, but that being said, I know that we are always most successful at integrating access into our productions when access is a key consideration from the very beginning. So you're right. It really does come in from the season planning perspective where we think about, okay, what musical stories are we bringing to the country as a whole and how can we integrate access into that from the very beginning and you know i'm very lucky that i have my own lived experience of disability and i'm an expert on my own access needs but i know that i'm not an expert on everybody's access needs i can't be you know everybody is only always an expert on their access needs so i happen to be in conversation with an accessibility advisory committee that's made up of several different people from across the disability experience who can kind of look at our season and say, okay, well, if we have something like Uncovered coming up, what would be the most appropriate or most exciting accessibility initiative to pair with this show? You know, where's a place where we can try something new or where's a place where we can, can continue to build that audience? Awesome. Oh, it's so amazing. And it's so rewarding for those consuming it. And just as you say, you can't get it right all the time. Everything is going to be, you can't, you can be as inclusive as possible and we're still going to, no matter what you do, leave some, leave something out or someone off of it because we're not sure of their unique situation or, or what have you, but let, let you know, because you guys are obviously taking whatever feedback you get. And that's the same as, as, as a show itself. We're not all going to be able to attend or fit in or like it even. Um, tell us about the Uncover concerts and what makes them so special. Absolutely. Uncovered is our signature annual concert, and this is our 17th year for Uncovered. It's going to be a really wonderful event. And Uncovered takes iconic pop songs that you know and love, but that are performed by Canadian stars of musical theater in ways that you've never heard before. So this year, we're going to be spotlighting Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles, two of the most iconic rock bands of all time, with some of the most iconic songs of all time. You're going to hear songs like Rhiannon, Desperado, Hotel reinterpreted so that you can really hear the lyrics, the meaning of the song, the personal meaning of the song to the artist. And it's all going to be featuring artists who have graced international stages and screens like Julie Black and stars of Canadian theater like Sarah Farb, Kelly Holliff, and music stars like Lydia Persaud. Do you know what? That just sounds like so fun. That sounds like it would be an amazing experience. Um, 
going what uh, off of what you and Kelly were saying, you know, so, sometimes performances aren't aren't accessible at all. But sometimes you go to a musical performance, you come out of there, you're like, oh, this is really cool. I heard some great songs, but we don't notice all those other highlights like the costumes, you know, not being able to see myself. Sometimes I can miss out on that. So maybe you can tell me about this accessible audio described performance, how it's gonna work and what you're hoping someone like me would experience if I attended the show. Absolutely. So we've been offering audio description here at the Musical Stage Company for about three years now because so many of us have had that exact same experience. You know, when I grew up listening to musical theater, I grew up here in Toronto. That's a million miles away from Broadway. So you don't necessarily get to see all of the costumes, all of the lights, all of the sets when you're sitting in your house, you know, listening to a cast recording and falling in love with a musical. But we discovered that by bringing on Rebecca Singh and her team at Superior Descriptions services, we can sort of bring the musical to life for a variety of people, including those who are blind, low vision, and partially sighted. So when you're sitting in the theater for Uncovered on November 17th, which is our audio described performance, the team at Superior Description Services are going to be providing full description of not only the beautiful Kerner Hall, which is our venue at the Royal Conservatory of Music, but also all of the things that people are wearing on stage, all of the ways that people are moving on stage, all of the ways that people are interacting with each other in this venue and all of the ways that the audience is responding to the performance. So hopefully you will have a more full experience of what it means to be taking in this concert event. Awesome. Oh, that's so oh, great. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, when we get there, what about our audio equipment? What's, what are you guys using for that uh, description? Absolutely. So this is going to be delivered to you in a little receiver. You're going to be able to pick that up um, in the lobby from me, actually, directly on November 17th. So just feel free to come and find me, Alethea Bako-George, in the lobby at the Royal Conservatory of Music, and I'll be able to hand you a little receiver. Don't need to bring anything with you. We will also have earphones for you, um, and the description will be provided to you live at your seat. As, as someone who, you know, like you, I'm I'm miles away from the musical theater scene. I have kind of missed out on the costumes, the movements, a little bit attending at musical shows. Can you give us a little sneak peek? I mean, I you don't want to spoil the concert, of course, but like, like what kinds of costumes, what kinds of effects? Can you give us a little preview of like some of those visuals that we normally miss that we're going to get to experience? You know, I think that Uncovered is such a great fit for those who maybe have never attended a musical before or maybe, you know, don't know if they even like musical theater because it gives you this real view into pop music and interpreting pop music as a story. So you're going to hear iconic songs that you already know and you're certainly going to see some iconic 70s fashion. You know, I am not 100% sure what our artists are wearing quite yet, but if I had to guess, I know that there are definitely going to be some billowy sleeves I know that there's going to be, you know, some really soft velvet. And in terms of the lighting, I mean, oh gosh, you know, we're definitely going to be seeing rich colors like reds, purples, burgundies, you know, really highlighting the drama of the relationships of these bands because, you know, these, these, these performers, they made incredible music, but there was also a lot of real interpersonal drama in Fleetwood Mac and in the Eagles. So you're definitely going to feel that fire on stage too. <laughs> 
Oh, Fantastic. I love it. And, and as a, you know, I mean, a fan or at least a music that I kind of grew up with, I, I was a mediocre fan of, of both groups, but certainly <laughs> filled with knowledge, especially my interest in broadcasting at the time. But it's also those rivalries, like you're talking such, such a feel that way. I'm sure we'll feel that. Now, as a blind person uh, attending the concert, um, what's some of the feel you think we're going to get when it comes from the sound, the music, and, and that description all melted into one? You know, I think it's going to be very personal because each of these artists is going to have such a different relationship to each of these songs. You know, these are songs that we're used to hearing on the radio. These are songs yes. that we're used to hearing in one specific way. Um, but you're going to hear brand new arrangements. You're going to hear perhaps instruments that you've never associated with a song like Desperado or like Dreams or like Gold Dust Woman. So I think it's going to take you to, you know, a new place of understanding with this music. I think it's going to feel like getting to know these artists in a brand new way yeah i i definitely think it's one of those things where you know people always get so excited about the you know here's the music video coming out for this this song but sometimes being blind or partially sighted uh, we don't get that sense of like either what the music actually quote unquote meant by the artist or different ways that it could be interpreted. So this is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Do, do you want to maybe, are, are, is there anything else accessibility related that you wanted to touch on? I know that sighted guides uh, uh, may be able to get in for free. Uh, any other accessibility features or any anywhere that we can learn more about this uh, performance? Absolutely. So I guess I'll just say first off that Kerner Hall, where we are performing Uncovered, is noted for its acoustics. So you're really going to be able to feel the music envelop you from all directions when you come and join us at the performance. And if you have any questions about the access features of the venue or the performance specifically, please feel free to contact me directly. You can always reach out to me at the musicalstagecompany.com website, and I'd be happy to always take your call or your email to help you get those tickets secured. And I can, of course, you know, let you know that the promo code for your $10 tickets on our audio described performance on November 17th is audio, A-U-D-I-O. So enter that at checkout and you will unlock some $10 tickets if you'd like to join us at Kerner Hall on November 17th. Yeah, boy, is that wonderful. And one of the things that I think is so great when planning, when you're choosing what you're going to do, performance, Obviously, uh, you know, location if you're if you use multiple ones, but what you're going to do with one that you regularly use is that whole environment you just painted around us, the, the way Kerner Hall sound will sound, will look with this, because that goes into that show selection too, doesn't it? Everything you think about, how big, what can we do with this? And as you mentioned, even hearing music with different instruments. Absolutely. Hey, on a personal level, Sorry, Kelly. No, uh, on ahead, a personal sir. level, I think speaking for both of us, we really appreciate that you're doing this, putting the effort into making this accessible. Uh, sounds absolutely fantastic, really fun and exciting. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us today on Kelly and Ramia. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to seeing some of you at our performance on November 17th. You bet. Wonderful. Kelly, any last thoughts? You know, I, I started as I was thinking there, um, it is so amazing to me when Alethea talked about the different instruments, right? Because, Grant, you know, we're so used to things the same, especially 
pop music or music that has been in our top 20s and so on and so famous music not to take away anything from whether it's a classical piece jazz piece or anything else but pop culture demands we hear things mostly the same you go to a concert you know and and if an artist changes the instrumentation because what was so popular is the recording we hear in a recording studio and sometimes live you can't necessarily do it the same way without the tracking now you can do pretty well anything but it's amazing when you make those choices have to change as a as someone doing a live show or in the case of this so really looking forward to it hopefully people can check that out really wonderful grant really and i'll cool step discussion. aside you betcha and so informative so check it out folks we'll step aside for a couple of moments ladies and gentlemen on know your rights today danielle mclaughlin is joined by kelly mcdermott president of the ontario bar association we're going to be talking today about the near peer support system that is out this is tremendous to hear about this network and this is for lawyers with disabilities we'll talk in two minutes it's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back to the program. Remember, we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Also looking for your pictures, folks, for Halloween. See how many we can get into and throw out on the show if you're dressed up in your costume. Uh, we'd like to get them today if you maybe had your costume on over the weekend or feel like testing it, test driving it tomorrow morning. Maybe get it together and send it to us with a real brief description. And you can send it to the email, Kelly and Ramya, K-E-L-L-Y-A-N-D-R-A-M-Y-A at A-M-I dot C-A. And we can see if we can squeeze it into the show otherwise we might get greedy and halloween might be here all week grant do you celebrate your birthday all week uh i would you love kind of, to that would be yeah so are you a birthday you. person you know what i i find that i haven't been in my 30s which is really disappointing i i turned 30 uh, just as the pandemic was starting so i was pretty much uh, i had my partner but i was otherwise isolated and ever since then things have been really quiet which i guess is the reality kelly of being an adult is that people don't plan <laughs> big surprise parties for me anymore <laughs> oh, Darn it. there are people i know that absolutely love it it's the biggest thing to them i've never understood that even as a kid i was not a big fan of the you know big to do certainly i'm not going to suggest for a moment <laughs> that i didn't mind the odd gift and that i think i celebrated <laughs> halloween more i i loved it even if i didn't get to do too much it was just uh, just such a great time and, oh. and uh, you know, really fun. And, and no matter where I was, because remember a lot of that time I was at the blind school and we sure. couldn't go out trick-or-treating, but they certainly did what they could to to make it nice for us. Um, well, Grant Hardy joining me here on the program. Um, he's, he's learning the ropes of backup co-hosting. Danielle McLaughlin is here. We're about to get into our Know Your Rights segment. And Danielle has a tremendous gift, a gift guest on board with us today on the program. So let's bring in for Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin. Hey, Danielle. Welcome back. Hi, Danielle. Sorry, there was a, my, yeah. You know, don't you love it when you try to enter a Zoom call and then your computer tells you that Zoom is updating? Sorry about oh, that. Oh, good heavens, I, yes. I, I, was <laughs> literally, I was literally sitting there like, why are they not letting me into the meeting yeah, today? And then I, I realized apologize. there was an extra button I had to push. <laughs> ah, oh, so good heavens. Yeah, you know, Thanks for the tip. Just... I better use it at some point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Danielle, we better turn, uh, turn the segment over yes. to you uh, so we don't Thank eat up you. too much time. This is an important Great. topic. It is. And we are very fortunate to have a special guest with us today, 
Kelly McDermott is a lawyer and the president of the Ontario Bar Association. Recently, she launched a special initiative for the OBA, a peer support network for lawyers living with disabilities. Welcome to the Kelly and Ramya show, Kelly. This is going to get confusing with all the Kelly. <laughs> <I know. laughs> this is a multiple <laughs> Kelly event. Yep. And I'm so, sure. disappointed I didn't, I'm so disappointed I didn't know to wear my Halloween costume today because I had it all locked and loaded, but um, oh. I'll, I'll send the pictures in. <laughs> Uh, that well, would be awesome. We'd love it. Well, I I, I now leave, leave the terrific Halloween costumes to other members of my family because they're so good at it, and I am not. <laughs> I am really happy that you, you are here to join us, Kelly McDermott. And could you please tell us a bit about this new initiative that the that is uh, started with the Ontario Bar Association? Yeah, so when I started um, my presidency in March of this year, it was it was really my mission to ensure that all lawyers can benefit from an engaged, inclusive, and empathetic legal community um, that that not only celebrates each other's successes, but but shows up for each other when when life challenges uh, or or unforeseen changes happen. And and this is I really think what sets our association apart. We're there for our, our members, not just in their careers as lawyers, but their lives as lawyers. And the work we do as lawyers is frequently high stress, high impact, um, strength and success are often very synonymous. And so there traditionally hasn't been a lot of room for, for vulnerability, for humanity. And this is why we established uh, the peer link just six months into my presidency. It is a Peer Support Network, um, an online portal that connects lawyers with resources and each other to share their experiences with those who understand their specific challenges. So, um, you know, it's where we're, we're building connections for lawyers, lawyers who are parents, uh, caregivers, members of equity-seeking groups. And we've created, as you noted, our first of its kind network for lawyers living disabilities, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, which provides some helpful links and resources. We, we've sorted it out so it's available for all lawyers across every region of Ontario. Um, there's a discussion forum, and most importantly, we've developed a calendar of peer support meetings, which um, we, we have every second Thursday, um, uh, no matter what, it's a safe and confidential space for lawyers living with disabilities to share, to listen, to learn, to um, to gain ideas. So it's it's been really great. I've had the honor of facilitating the very first um, peer support meeting for lawyers living with disabilities in September. I was just so inspired by the engagement of our members who came together in this really safe, judgment-free space. Well, that sounds wonderful. Now, have you yourself had experiences that spurred you on to create this uh, peer support network? Yes, this was, you know, born from first-hand experience. Like many of us during COVID, my workload tripled overnight. I had some significant life crisis and that, you know, delicate balance you have between um, work and and uh, and your family life was just gone. I was depleted. I was very depressed, and and I endured not because I was particularly resilient, but I had this tremendous support from the OBA. Um, you know, not only for sort of the pragmatic tools and resources to stay on track professionally, but also providing really valuable mental health offering and that vital peer support network. And, and further, I'm a lawyer who lives with a disability, um, an autoimmune condition. I am a caretaker to someone who lives with a disability, and I'm a single mom. 
And I know how isolating it can feel um, when you're alone in that struggle and how empowering it is to have others, lawyers to connect to who have similar lived experiences, a similar community of interest. And with that motivation in mind, I, I really wanted to make sure that that no lawyer feels the need to hide their struggles or feel alone in their struggles. And and that's where this peer peer link support came from to create just more accessible networks and avenues for for meaningful peer support and, and knowledge sharing. And again, six months in, I'm so proud to say that we've um, been able to translate that sort of organic magic of the OBA into into the peer link network. Oh, this sounds wonderful. Now, do you think that lawyers with disabilities have historically had difficulty finding accommodation? I, I think there are many ways to accommodate lawyers living with disabilities. Um, we saw through COVID that this profession can pivot and adapt to accommodate change. Um, and I think just from my own sort of anecdotal experience and, and my day job as a, a human resources lawyer, um, you know, I think the problem is twofold. There are, are many lawyers, many lawyers who have disabilities like my own, which um, are invisible. And a lot of lawyers will try to hide or downplay their struggles for fear of stigma or losing opportunities. So while there are many accommodations that could be available, sometimes often really simple ones, um, there are still lawyers who are not self-identifying and not therefore not getting the proper accommodations they need. And and certainly, um, you know, I did this myself for almost a decade. I never, I never talked about my disability. I tried to hide it. And, and when I commenced my presidency, I really realized how important it was uh, for me to get a bit brave to try to empower other lawyers to, you know, speak their truth, to seek accommodations, and and to to be succeed, successful in their careers. The other thing uh, I think that's a, a bit difficult in the legal profession is we still place a lot of emphasis on time as opposed to deliverables and quality of work. And that kind of really limits the pool of the types of accommodations that might be available. Um, I, I am very lucky in my day job at the region of Durham. Um, I'm a senior lawyer there. We have developed a real team approach to files, which just allows people, allows life to show up and not have a massive impact on the deliverable to the client or the work product. And it's been really a key accommodation for, for my circumstances as well as other members of my team. Well, that's really good to know. I know that it may, may be that, that people who work in firms or sole practitioners may have different experiences from people working with government or from, uh, you know, non-government agencies, but it's, I guess your network really includes everybody um, who is practicing as a lawyer and, and finds that, that they, they need to touch base with, with other people who are in a similar circumstance. Has the network grown in numbers of participants since it began? You know, when I started the network, um, numbers were kind of irrelevant to me. I thought, gosh, if one lawyer shows up and we can have a real conversation, you know, that's one lawyer who's going to feel less alone and maybe perhaps empowered to advocate for themselves and, and have a more rewarding career. We are, are now four sessions in. Like I said, we hold the meetings bi-weekly, Thursdays, 7 to 9, no registration required. It is completely safe and confidential space. Uh, and we took a great deal of time to an effort through the engagement of a consultant, Doran Gold, to ensure that we set the structure mm -hmm. up just right. And I have been blown away by the number of lawyers who have showed up 
Um, people are returning week after week. We are picking up new participants every meeting, and the meetings have been raw and emotional at times, and you know, constructive and idea generating at other times. I've just I felt very blessed to be part of this part of this group. It's been quite amazing. Now, do you have a plan to collect any any data, or is this strictly you know in confidence and we're and and this isn't something where you you plan to generate a report or you know have some sort of generic idea of what lawyers who live with disabilities are facing yeah the original intent was it was supposed to be a confidential place for people just to speak and find support um you know however organically ideas are being generated through this group, um, which you know has created a whole host of ideas that we are starting to action, um, including uh, you know highlighting accommodation champions in our profession to spur in others to do the same, um, creating an accommodations idea resource for employers and firms. So basically putting tried and tested accommodations that have been successful and utilized in the profession to assist other firms to brainstorm ideas, think outside of the box. Um, and we're also working on creating some supportive tools for, for the courts about accommodating not only lawyers with disabilities, but those um, clients who, who are, have disabilities as well. Um, in particular, a very, a very big interest of mine is around neurodiversity. And so we've been doing, we have a, a great deal of work coming in the future on, on um, neurodiversity and accommodations in the workplace and in the courts. Wow, that these things are so badly needed and it's wonderful to hear that you 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 really have your your finger on the pulse of, of what is happening out there um that's marvelous news um I know that the OBA has has had something called not another decade uh, as an initiative does this in some way fit in with that initiative or is this completely separate the Not Another Decade initiative was um, done by the initiated by the past past president, Charlene Theodore. And the, the point of that initiative was to turn up the dial and give real tangible objective um, movement um, to include racialized and indigenous lawyers in the profession in a more meaningful way. Um, you know, this this does move the needle when we're looking at equity, diversity, and inclusion as a whole, because uh, this mm -hmm. this is about finding more spaces for inclusion. And and while we started the peer support network to be, um, we you know we've tested it out with the lawyers living with disabilities. The intent is these networks can grow. Um, so as need is as need is decided. So I mentioned another one we have is um, for caretakers. Uh, for for parents, um, there, there's some other groups that are going to organically grow from this. So, you know, I, I think this is absolutely um, spinning off of the work of my my predecessor Charlene to um, really to really push the envelope and push objective, tangible results for EDI initiatives um, such that, such as she created. Wow, that's it. It sounds like you know a really positive step forward. Are, are your meetings um, virtual or do you actually meet in, in a location? So, so right now they're, they're virtual. Um, we've set them up on, on purpose because, you know, we, we represent 16,000 members across the province, right? So we want to make this accessible for as many of our members as possible. Um, and we do have a lot of actively engaged members from all parts of this province. So um, that made a lot of sense to us. To, to keep it in the virtual realm. It, it also, I think, provided people a bit more 
um, you know, confidential space. We, we didn't want to limit it to Toronto because, you know, then we were only going to get people who were local. And I, I think the intent for us was to was to cast the net wide and, and, and try to capture as many lawyers as we possibly could. I mean, when I came out with my mandate, I was getting calls from cold calls from lawyers who've been struggling in the workplace, who've had disabilities, like right across Ontario. There was not, it wasn't sort of regionally centered in Toronto. I was getting calls from all across the province. So we really see that there was a need for uh, this discussion to happen, not just in a you know downtown core area, but but across the entire province. Uh so so nice to hear that that it becomes accessible in that way. Do you think that during COVID, when uh, numbers of courts went online, that people suddenly got the idea that it would be possible to accommodate people in in this way use, using, say, digital courtrooms? As I know, the the new Toronto courtroom has, um, you know, it has been set up so that that things can can happen both virtually and and in person. Do do you think that this has provided a benefit to uh, lawyers who live with disabilities? Oh, it, it has provided a, a monster benefit to lawyers living with disabilities um, because the the system which was, you know, hadn't mu done much change, the court system hadn't changed very much, um, all of a sudden had to pivot very quickly overnight and it made it possible for many lawyers to have better access um, to to courts. It was from a perspective of regional um, participation. It helped it helped uh, clients as well to participate better. Um, I, I think it has had a massive push and has just demonstrated that change is absolutely possible and that we as a profession can pivot quickly to to accommodate um, you know, in that case, we accommodated the world pandemic, but to accommodate the needs of lawyers and clients. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate your joining us. I do apologize for that glitch at the beginning. I'm sure that uh, that it, you know, it, people were tuned in to really hear what's what's happening with the Ontario Bar Association. And just quickly, if people want more information, can they go to the OBA uh, website to find out about this? Yeah, it's oba.org. The peer support network is right on our front page. Um, and like I said, these meetings are not exclusive to members of the Ontario Bar Association. It is open to all lawyers across Ontario. Uh, no registration is required. And uh, our next meeting is happening um, next Thursday at 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. So, you know, if any lawyers out there are, are hearing me, they hope that they will, will join and come hear what it's all about. Thank you so much. That Thank was that was Kelly McDermott, president of the Ontario Bar Association, talking with us today about the new peer support network for lawyers living with disabilities. Thank you, Danielle. And hopefully we'll get that costume. But tell you what, folks, that information <laughs> was 100% value. We'll forgive Kelly if she doesn't get a chance to send that picture over to us. But wonderful guest. Thank you, Danielle. We can talk to Danielle Thank McLaughlin you, Danielle. here on Know Your Rights. Every Monday we do this uh, and get into conversation. Tremendous one today. Coming up next on the program, when Grant and I return, we'll wrap up the show and find out what's coming up on the next edition of Now with Dave Brown. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
bunch of notes here, folks. Once again, welcome to those listening at the new time over on AMI-audio to the program. 4 p.m. Eastern is the first uh, time you'll hear it on AMI-audio for the new episode that day. Repeats are still at the same time, 10 p.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, this is our first day with that format on the schedule uh, at AMI-audio, wherever you're listening in around the world. Thank you kindly. Also, we still would like some photos to include in tomorrow's show. Might be a scrambling morning if we, we start getting them flowing in too late. As soon as you can, maybe if you have that shot or something you'd like and feel comfortable, add a description to it. Email it to Kelly and Ramya, K-E-L-L-Y-A-N-D-R-A-M-Y-A at AMI.ca. We'd absolutely love to be able to share them on the program tomorrow as it is, of course, Halloween. Kelly McDonald here, Brand Hardy. We also remind you to check out the show via podcast. You can subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. Maybe while you're in there, give us a rating and review. All is tremendous if you have that time. But listen to the show in segment form and on the long version of the program, the whole show itself, you can check out the audio vanity card as our team contributes to that. Now with Dave Brown, you can do the same thing. And Grant has a bit of a description on tomorrow's program. Speaking of description, what they have coming your way 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Yeah, you know what, Kelly? It's looking like a really good show tomorrow. Really fun. Toronto community reporter Mara Hutchinson shares some last-minute suggestions for Halloween fun, contributor nice. Becky Czar will offer her own tips on keeping things organized and clean in your house. And it wouldn't really be Tuesday without the weekly news quiz. Elizabeth Moeller joins Brock Richardson and Alicia Yardley in a test of knowledge of current affairs. Awesome. That's great. Now with Dave Brown, 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-TV. Grant, are you a candy corn fan? Do you eat that stuff? I'm trying to think if I've ever had it. <laughs> Sometimes I think I've had it and not realized. I don't think I have, but I thought, get thinking as I read what we've got for our closing moment today is today is National Candy Corn Day south of the border, folks. Uh, in the late 1800s, George Renditor of... Uh, Wendell Candy Company created candy corn. Now, his sweet treat represented the bright color colors of corn uh, kernels. Originally, candy corn was yellow, orange, and white. However, it wasn't until 1889 that the Golitz Candy Company made this particular candy popular. Later, other uh, candy makers made a variety of popular cover, uh, colors as well. How to observe this particular day, whether you're here in Canada <laughs> or in the States, candy corn inspires desserts. Add it to popcorn for a spectacular treat. Another delicious way might be to layer gelatin, pudding, or cakes with white, yellow, and orange-colored candy corn, and, of course, the variety of flavors. Salty and sweet always pair well together. You can add pretzels, candy corn, and nuts to a snack mix as well. That's always wonderful. Uh, how many calories are you talking about this stuff? A handful might be about 19 pieces is a one, 140 calories. The flavors, reindeer corn is vanilla. Candy cane corn, of course, is peppermint, pumpkin spice, apple, and peanut butter cup. Caramel apple, another favorite out there, and pumpkin pie. There you go on candy corn, wow. just a little bit to run it down, because we were stumbling through talking to Bill about it the other day. I don't know. I don't know. Now, folks, you're in the know on National Candy Corn Day, getting ready for Halloween. Cool. Mr. Hardy, uh, you say you haven't had it. Uh, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, anything chocolate. My M&Ms, my Smarties, my Kit Kat, anything like that, always happy to get it. Yourself. Remember, you'd get the small ones, right? You'd get the small ones, which are getting smaller and smaller now. It's uh, it's crazy. Uh, for get, me, like, folks, 
I like like you, everything chocolate. Yeah. Folks, we'll be here assembling at 2 p.m. tomorrow for the show Eastern Time on our wellness chat. Since we're speaking about teeth, uh, I mean candy, <laughs> let's talk about teeth. Francis Wong is going to go into oral health, uh, talking about cavities a bit. Remembrance Day is just around the corner. Community reporter Julie Martin reflects on this day during her report. We'll talk then. Grant, thanks a lot. Rummy and I will be back with you tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. We're waving at you. I used to get a little nervous when it came to walking around on Devil's Night, the night before Halloween. You know, you just never kind of knew what might happen if you get an egg in your ear. I remember one day uh, when I was at the blind school, actually, some of the guys walked to the store and one of the kids got an egg and hit his shoe. D- just luckily, it hit his shoe. Just people doing mischief and never liked to think about that and also didn't like to be a prisoner at home, especially when I was working in Toronto and had to be running around or if I had to go out somewhere or when I worked later at work and had to just get back to where I was going. You're worried about it, worried about being a target, especially with that white cane screaming, look at me, I'm here. You know, I'll pose if you if you pay me enough. Um, you didn't know what you'd find. You know, I remember going to places and windows would be soaped and stuff like that. I don't know how big it is now. Don't want to really think that way and hope people, whatever mischief that you do go out and do as a, as a kid these days, you still keep in mind, don't damage stuff that can't be fixed. You're still wasting people's time as it is cleaning up whatever soap you leave or as the old term we used to call it, mat night, right? And it wasn't mad night, mat night. People steal doormats, stuff like that from people's place, or take them and toss them into a tree or whatever they might do. Um, It's one of those things that in some places, it's a really frightening night. It's a time when you you have your people running around. And and I know some will argue, what are you talking about? I'm in a place where it's every night. And I get that too. But it's one of those things that hopefully nothing happens to you, your property. Hopefully people have said, hey man, that's just not cool. I know it's a high alert night for the police, fire department, and so on because some of the the bad things people decide to do. Um, And hopefully you get it through your system before thinking you can pull anything like that on Halloween. As an amateur radio operator, I have spent a few years, quite a while ago, riding around, and we'd keep an eye and uh, report back to a net controller in case we needed help. That was days before the phones and everything like that, back when I first got licensed. And it was fun to do on that night before, the 30th, Devil's Night, whatever you want to call it, and Halloween. You felt like you were looking out for not only people's property, but of course themselves too and safety. And uh, it was a different era, different time. I'm sure some amateur radio groups still go out on, I think we called it Goblin Patrol. So all you little goblins, behave yourselves. Be safe, everyone. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.